And a very warm welcome Thank you for tuning in You are listening to By the word of their testimony And I'm your host Etienne McClintock By the word of their testimony Is based on Revelation chapter 12 And verse 11 Where we read And they overcame him By the blood of the lamb And by the word of their testimony And they did not love their lives To the death Today in the studio with me We have two special guests We have Jesse Marks and we have Christopher Peterson. Gentlemen, welcome. It's lovely to have you here with us today. I'm looking forward to hearing your testimony and about what the Lord has done in your lives. So let's start with, with you, Jesse. Sure. Um, what are you currently doing? Sure. So I'm currently down here living in Avondale, studying a Bachelor of Theology and Ministry here at Avondale College. So, yeah, okay. that, that's me at the moment. Wonderful. So when did you start that degree? This year, actually. This right. is my first year, yeah. Okay, well, that's exciting. And uh, Christopher, what keeps you busy during the day? Yeah, uh, pretty similar to Jesse. I'm studying uh, a Bachelor of Ministry in Theology as well. This is also my first year, uh, just down here at Avondale College. Fantastic. Well, I hope you guys are enjoying it at Avondale. Uh, I'm not sure where you're from, but maybe we can start and you can just give us a little bit of your background. So, Jesse, are you Australian? Where were you born? Sure, yeah. I'm very Australian. Very. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, a little bit of a mix, to be honest. I was born in Victoria, Melbourne, okay. raised in Queensland, and I'm now living in New South Wales. You've lived in three states. I lived in three states, yeah. Are you, are you a, a person that supports any sports teams in particular? or? Yeah, um, I'm a bit of an AFL boy, to be honest. Okay. A bit of, yeah, Australian, Australian football. Okay. Heritage from Victoria. From Victoria. <laughs> from okay, Victoria, right. Yeah. So your, your team is in Victoria then? It's not actually. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is, yeah, it gets a bit confusing. Um, I go for the Brisbane Lions. Yeah. Brisbane Lions. Oh, there yeah. you go. Okay. Now, I'm still learning about that game. I can't figure it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm only from South Africa. Yeah. We only play rugby union there. We don't know about the other games. So. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> and how about you, Christopher? Where are you from originally? I'm from the Banana Coast, Coffs Harbour itself. Coffs Harbour. Okay, beautiful part of the world too. I mm. reckon it's you've got everything you need there in Coffs. Uh, beautiful town. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it's great. Um, yeah, that's about me. Okay, fantastic. So, uh, look, gentlemen, so you, you were born there. Maybe tell us a little bit about your background in regards to, you know, family, um, where you grew up, where you went to school, so forth. Sure. Yeah, so, um, as I said, born in Victoria, but I only, only lived there five years, the first okay. five years of my life. So the majority of my life I've lived in Queensland. Okay. So, um, yeah, my dad is a pastor. So you're he, a PK. I'm a PK. Yeah, pastor's kid. So that's not just a Queensland. So your dad and mum must have done a good job for you to want to go and follow in his shoes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, my mum is um, currently working as a receptionist in the BAC, Brisbane Adventist College School up in Brisbane. Okay. Yeah, I know some people that work up there. So, okay. so yeah, no, that's what my mum's doing. I am the oldest of three kids, three three boys. Three boys. Always, my mum would say, three wise men. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm the oldest of three. 
um, my middle brother, he's about 16, 17 at the moment, and my youngest brother, he's about 15. So yeah, that's that's my family life. Great. Okay. So do the, your brothers, you know, sometimes sort of test their strength against you to see if you're still at the top of the pecking order, or yeah, from time to time. Time to <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. So three siblings. How about you, Christopher? I'm actually uh, pretty much the same. I'm the eldest of three siblings as well. Uh, I've actually grown up in Coffs Harbour my whole life. Um, right. Well, apart from now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is my first time, yeah, uh, living in a different area. But I went to a Christian school, a local Christian school there, and both of my parents were teachers. So I'm a TK as opposed to okay, a PK. TK yeah. to PK. Okay, that's, that's very close. So they were teaching in a Christian school at the school that you attended? Yeah, both of them. So there was a primary school and a high school campus. My mother works at the primary school and my father works at the high school campus. So you always had someone to keep an eye on you. Make Pretty sure much. <laughs> I was a good kid, though. There wasn't any news. Oh, okay. No, that's, that's good to hear. But... Yeah, they're both um, Indonesian language teachers. Indonesian? Yeah, that's how they actually met uh, at university studying Indonesian. So there you go. Oh, well, but they're both Australian. Yeah, both Australian. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Did they visit Indonesia? What was it about Indonesia that uh, they decided to go and pick up the language? Uh, I think they just enjoyed it. That was it. They'd never been over there. Yeah, they just enjoyed learning a language and, Mm. yeah, it just so happened. They uh, both decided to choose it as a university course, and I kind of followed in their footsteps. I did it year 11 and 12, so I know a bit of Indonesian myself. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So tell me the the name for a banana in Indonesian. Is it pisang? Yes, that's it. Because I grew up in South Africa, and there was a lot of um, influence from... Malaysia and also Indonesia there yeah. and we picked up some of the words only a few here and there and one of the th- names for banana they call it pisang yeah we, that's it yeah so that's one of the one of the few words I know in Indonesian <laughs> there we are. that's all you need just a few words yeah. to get you, get you by Christopher you were raised as a Christian obviously going to a Christian school yep. and, and parents teaching in a Christian school as well mm-hmm. how about you Jesse yeah no I'm very Adventist to be honest okay yeah um, hence my mum working at Brisbane Adventist College, I went there as well. Okay, so you so, guys have, have come through the church organization yeah. school-wise mm. as well and raised as Adventists, born into the Adventist church, so to speak. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow, okay. So going to Christian school, you guys were model students and well-behaved <laughs> and you know, born with a silver spoon from heaven in your mouth. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. That. That's, that's a way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Obviously, now you're studying theology between, obviously, you know, your education there. Something may, something must have happened that uh, directed your life to now want to follow the Lord and proclaim the good news of salvation through Jesus. Um, maybe you can just start filling in some of the blanks from those early days on. Uh, Jesse, we'll start yeah. with you, if you like. Sure. So, yeah, as I mentioned, my um, dad's a pastor. Mm. So as a PK, you get to... Know your way around the Bible a little bit. Sure. Yeah, and you develop that kind of reputation amongst your friends and church as well. Like my dad, great guy. My mother, very loving, very godly family. So they brought me up well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, as far as that goes, yeah, raising a good Christian home. Um, when it came to school, probably I, I gained a bit, a bit of a reputation of, as I said before, being a, a Bible uh, Bible guy. Right. So whenever anyone had a question about Bible things or there was a Bible quiz in class, I was the guy to turn you to. You were the go-to guy. Right. So I guess even from a youngster, I kind of developed the reputation of being a bit of a pastor. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Um, Very good. So yeah, that, that continued on for a little bit. Um, my journey probably starts around year seven. 
um, I had a year seven teacher, um, Mr. Eric Harmon. Um, yeah, he yeah he was a, a really good influence on my life. Mm. Among many things, the thing he got me to do was to read the Bible, like okay. really start reading the Bible. He encouraged us to just just start reading. Yes. So I made it my goal that year to just go through the Bible in a year. Now, the whole Bible from Genesis through to Revelation. Yeah, the whole Bible in a year. Mm. Now, it took me a little longer than a year. Sure, but still, you, you, you ended yeah. up doing it? Mm. I did, yeah. So I, I think probably around grade 10-ish, I finished the Bible. So that was that was completed. So, mm. yeah, which is looking back now, it's a bit surprising I actually did it, to be honest. No, it's quite a feat. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I owe that to him. That was really good. Throughout church, I had some yeah godly influences. Mm. Pathfinders was a a big one. Right, good. Yeah, yeah. It, um, for anyone who doesn't know what Pathfinders is, it's kind of like um a church run scouts kind of program mm. where they get you out in the community and um yeah camping and yeah it's really good. So uh, godly men throughout that just helping me along my walk. So yeah. So as you were growing up, you had a lot of positive influences. I did. Were there any Ever any distractions or worldly distractions that were sort of potentially could have, you know, railroaded you? Or, or Yeah, no, definitely. So it also kind of ties in with the fact that me being a pastor's kid as well. Sometimes as a pastor's kid, Chris can probably relate to being a teacher's kid. Yeah. You get a bit of pressure. And um, like with the PK, it's more spiritual pressure. Yes. Spiritual pressure to behave well, to perform. Mm. Um, even a kind of subtle expectation to be a pastor. Um which can bring a, about a couple of problems. Yes. My little pet theory. <laughs> I, I've thought about this a little bit. I think being a pastor's kid, it can kind of lead you in two ways. Yes. It can either lead you down a path of rebellion, like mm-hmm. you get shoved with spirituality your whole life, and you're just like, no, I don't want any of this, and just kind sure. of run the other direction. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what happens quite a bit with um, PKs. Or you can sort of embrace that mm-hmm. and just kind of go with it. Um, I was the the latter. I embraced that. But to be honest, I probably turned into a little bit of a Pharisee. Okay. If you know what I mean. Yeah. You, you kind of um, acquire all this biblical knowledge and it, it gives you pride a little bit. Yes. It gives you meaning. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I proud, prided myself on, if that mm, kind of makes mm. sense. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, that's... Um, Praise the Lord for that because that's wonderful to hear because quite often people think of PKs and probably TKs as well mm. as the brats in the church mm. or in the school, you know, because mm. their parents have responsible positions. And then, you, as you said, it can go one way or the other. Mm. And they turn out pretty bad. And even in the Bible, you see that Eli's sons mm. were terrible. Yeah. And then if you think also of, you know, um, the sons Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Aaron, mm. they also they got drunk and then brought Profane fire before the Lord And of course they lost their lives through the process So there are mm. examples in the Bible But then you get some other people who you know have, have done quite well I just can't think of any at the moment But your testimony is one of those Which yeah. we can put down there for that So Christopher um, Your experience growing up I guess there would have been some pressure at school as well Even from an academic perspective yeah. Not only in primary but also in high school You move out of primary and high school Your dad's waiting for you there Yeah that's it uh, <laughs> Actually as far as spiritual things go um, There was a little bit of pressure But ironically not so much so As more the academic side Sure. Which I wasn't I didn't mind uh, I did academically quite well at school yes. So the pressure never really got to me It was more just mundane things Like people would come up to me and ask me So are you Indonesian? And I have to tell them 
No, I'm not. But hang on. So why does your dad speak Indonesian? Okay, <laughs> you have so to try and explain to people. You can just learn a language. <laughs> yeah, so you would have had that question many times over your lifetime. I got maybe. so many questions about whether I was Indonesian. I ate Indonesian food. I spoke Indonesian at home. And everyone expected me to be able to like speak it fluently. Right, right. So um, if anything, that was kind of the, the weird thing that I got being a TK. Uh, mm. And eventually... Uh, after a few years, I just started answering, oh, yeah, totally. I, I'm Indonesian and, you know, I eat nasi goreng for breakfast, lunch and dinner just, okay. just to see what, how people would react when they got the answer yeah, they right, were right. expecting. But uh, as far as like spiritual things when I was growing up, uh, I, yeah, I grew up in an Adventist home and my parents were really great in that uh, pretty much from like a really early age just, you know, uh, bringing me up with all this truth uh, and getting me into a really good steady relationship with God so mm. uh, I really have to pretty much my parents set the foundation for you know everything else that happened in my life yes so I have to give all credit there uh, and so through school uh, I developed quite like Jesse the uh, the label of being the Christian kid on campus so okay. if there was ever uh, a question or anything that uh, anyone had not even specifically about Christianity just about like religion or spirituality in general, uh, people would always come to me and ask me whatever question they had on their mind, which um, when we get later on into the program in my story will become actually quite a prevalent uh, aspect, quite an integral part of my spiritual growth. So, okay, yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed it, though. Uh, I, didn't find, uh, I didn't find it too pressured. I don't, just my personality-wise, I don't get uh, feel pressure too easily. Mm. So I kind of just almost enjoyed it, kind of embraced it, and just yeah. went along with the flow a bit. So, yeah, as far and even uh, at church as well, uh, from a young age, I was like singing up the front, and doing special so items. You, you sing as well? You, you solos, or you sort of more? No, not not anymore. <laughs> okay. I haven't done it in a while, but uh, back in my yeah younger, I was all right at singing, I suppose. Okay, and. I actually preached my first sermon when I was 12 years old. 12-year-old preacher? 12-year-old. Is that on YouTube? I don't think that one is. <laughs> if you want okay. to see my other ones, they are, but I don't think the 12-year-old okay, 12. one is. Wow. But it was with a good friend of mine, Michael, from our church. Uh, he's a few years older than me. Hmm. And so what they did was, um, you know, our parents, they chose the topic. Obviously, your parents have to be involved to prepare something like that at yeah, such yeah. a young age. So, uh, Can you still remember the topic? Yeah, it was the title of the sermon was The Certainty of the Second Coming. Wow, a second coming sermon. Yeah. How appropriate for a Seventh-day Adventist. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and so he did the first half and I did the second half. Um, and, yeah, so that's kind of where uh, this idea of preaching sermons and even wanting to go and do ministry and theology, that's a... It started at the age of 12. Yeah, so it's a bit of a... That's part of that... Uh, preaching aspect there. The ministerial part of theology would come later, but mm. that's where that aspect started. I just started enjoying it. And so for, I remember for the next, you know, one or two sermons, my dad continued to like, you know, sort of help me write it and just structure it because kids don't know how to write, you know, good essays, essentially. A sermon's pretty much an essay. It's a thesis and you have to argue your points and sure. use evidence. So, but I remember distinctly um, one sermon, uh, I forget whether it was my third or fourth, something or other. But I just went, I want to write this one just by myself. Right. And uh, Dad was really encouraging. He just said, go for it, you know, mm. just do it. And 
uh, eventually I just started writing sermons by myself and then people weren't asking me, you know, to fill in a date. I was going, hey, can I get some dates to preach, please? So wow. it was great that um, my parents, yeah, really put that uh, emphasis of servitude, just mm-hmm. being able to use the spiritual gifts in the church. Uh, they nurtured that at a really young age, especially through this preaching aspect. So yeah, yeah. that testifies a lot to why I'm here today, actually. Oh, really? Well, praise the Lord for that. That sounds great. Age of 12, very important age, you know, even in the Jewish culture. We also know that Jesus, when he went to the temple at the age yeah. of 12, that he realized actually who he was, that he was mm. the Messiah. He was the Lamb of God. That's it. That would be slain for our sins. So, oh, one, wonderful testimony. So with that pressure on both you, Christopher, and Jesse, you know, being the go-to guys, you know, <laughs> sort of uh, Google, uh, living Google for Bible. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the Wikipedia. The Wikipedia <laughs> of Bible um, in, in, on legs. Was there any pressure on the other side? So obviously there was a, le- a level of respect for you guys. But was there any other influences or even, um, I guess, attitudes towards you that may not have been quite as positive from some people at school? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think definitely that comes. What comes with the uh, idea of being, you know, the Christian kid on campus, even when you're at a Christian school, uh, people. The good thing about being on a Christian campus is people are much more accepting of you being Christian. Sure. But that still doesn't get rid of people's presuppositions in their mind. Mm. And so a lot of um, a lot of being that labeled as that person also came with the a bit of the nerdy, not fun sort of type. Okay. Which I didn't really care about. But uh, what was good uh, was I think. Um, that as I was able to make friends with people who weren't Christian, it was kind of acting as a witness to what Christians really are. You know, not mm. not this boring stereotype that people mm. often think. They're just people who do enjoy having fun and are humorous and are just, you know, people in general. So yeah, yeah. No. there was that kind of negative presupposition, mm. but it wasn't a negative experience for me. I, through God's grace, I was kind of able to turn it into a witnessing experience and show okay. people that, yeah, yeah, of course. We're just people. <laughs> I mean, mm. Christians have got love, joy, and peace in their heart. They enjoy it. Mm. They enjoy many things mm. in life, and all it does simply just takes the flesh out of the fun, if you, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it's not carnal fun. It is fun, you know, joy in the Lord. Mm. As as that text there in the Bible says, um, the kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm. It says it's not in food and drink. Other people think normally it's food and drink, you know. So Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> so how, how about you, Jesse? Sure. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with what Chris said. Yeah. One thing probably add to add to that is the goody two shoes mentality. <laughs> okay. If you kind of know what I mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do. So yeah, perceived as the Christian kid or the pastor's kid on campus. Um, yeah, there's a certain expectation of how you should act. Hmm. Um, and when you don't exactly meet those expectations, it stands out, in, in a sense, among everyone else, kind of thing. Sure. If you get what I'm saying. So you yeah. felt some of that pressure as well growing up, you know, that there was a high expectation for you. And if you never, if you ended up not living up to that expectation, some people felt very comfortable telling you that yeah, you didn't quite make the grade. Sorry, I know what you're supposed to do <laughs> yeah. and you didn't do it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, I can understand now the age of 12 for you, um, mm. Christopher. But Jesse, for you, was there any particular time, any point in your life where you just said, I feel a calling to ministry or you did something at church. What was it for you? Sure. So my um, story picks up a little bit later. Mm. Um, At the end of year 12, there was an option for me to do this program called Arise, 
If you've heard of it, yeah. Yes, I have heard of Arise, yeah. Yeah, so it's essentially a discipleship program that you can do for three and a half months. Um, and then if you want to extend that, you can continue on to do Bible work. Hmm. So I had the opportunity to do that. Um, now, at the end of year 12, I was seriously considering ministry. It was something I've been thinking and praying about for a while now, but I wasn't I wasn't sure. I, sure. And I wanted to be sure. So I kind of threw it up there to God and said, God, if you want me to do ministry, because at the time I was considering Avondale more so than Arise, mm. I was like, God, if you give me the president's scholarship, which is like the big scholarship for Avondale, I'll, I'll take that as a sign that you want me to go kind of thing. I thought, why not get some benefit out of the deal? <laughs> <Right. Okay. laughs> my, my year 12 self. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so I, I put that up out there with God. Anyways, time came around and I didn't get the president's scholarship. So I thought, okay, maybe maybe it's not something for me to do. Mm. So I continued on to do my um, other course that I was, I think business or history or something like that at another university in Queensland. Anyway, um, a previous student from Arise, currently an associate pastor, um, Braden Enterman, he strongly encouraged me to, to go to Arise. Okay. And he encouraged me multiple times, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he just kept calling me up and say and said essentially Jesse so what what are your plans for this year have you considered a rise and yeah so it really got me thinking yet again hmm. why why not maybe just let's let's try this arise thing and see what happens yeah so you were dabbling at that stage with the thought of going to Avondale put a fleece out there so to speak yeah the, nothing happened there so you started going studying something else but mm. then your friend I uh, kept on saying to you, listen, have you considered a rise? Why are you going to do a rise? He's obviously gone through it, had a positive, wonderful mm. experience. And that exactly. what, that's what made you go to a rise then, I take it? Pretty much, yeah. So uh, reflecting on it now, I think I put out the wrong fleece. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, but God had a way of turning that around to getting me to go to where he wanted me to go kind of thing. Mm. And yeah, a rise was just such an awesome um, experience for me. It, it turned that head knowledge, all all the facts and figures I knew about Jesus and the Bible into a heart knowledge. Mm. It just really sparked for me what it meant for Jesus to love me and for me to love God kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that that turned my whole Christian experience around. It made it practical. It made it real for me. And right. from that moment on and afterwards, I'll probably get into when I did Bible work for a little bit. Yeah, yeah it really set in stone. Um, that God was was calling me to ministry. Yeah. So, how did you go with memorizing all those texts? Isn't there a hundred plus? Texts? Yeah, there's, oh, you got there's a hundred, yeah, hundred texts text to verse. Yeah, to memorize in three and a half months. It's it's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that, but no, okay. it's it's possible. Wonderful. So, uh, how about you, Christopher? Yeah. Um, so definitely, as I mentioned before, that kind of seed for a real desire to get up and preach, preach yeah. was sown, you know, around about that age, and then growed and matured over time but as far as like the evangelism aspect of you know being in pastoring or ministry Mm. uh, I hadn't really it hadn't really clicked for me yet all throughout primary school even preschool I think um, the people at my preschool told me to stop handing out little tracts (laughs) to the other students oh is that right (laughs) yeah I'm I'm pretty sure that um, if you ask my parents, that's what happened. But you couldn't help but witness. I couldn't help it. You know, it's <laughs> my burden well, to bear. Yeah, so. well, praise, praise the Lord for that. It's good. Um, and so through primary school, I still had that uh, attitude, you know. Hmm. I just wanted to tell people what I knew. And uh, unfortunately, no one was interested. And so I think for me, uh, sort of, yeah, during that phase, it kind of discouraged me a bit hmm. because I would 
you know, I'd put myself out there for people and I just got zero response, absolutely right. nothing for years. Wow. Inviting people to church, inviting people to Pathfinders, which, you know, as Jesse mentioned before, it's just kind of more like a fun way to interact and mm. learn about God, not even, you know, sitting in pews at church. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so after all this kickback, I don't, I don't think I, I'd given up would be the right way to say it, but I was just discouraged and I wasn't doing anything with it, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it may have been in year nine or ten, I forget, but uh, I was in a commerce class and we were asked a question by the teacher and it was a discussion. And after class, uh, this guy walks up to me, his name was James, and he says, why did you answer the way that you did? Why did you answer like that? Everyone else was answering a different way. Why, why would you say that? Hmm. And I, I just explained to him, well, I'm a Christian. Here's what the Bible says about it. And he'd, he'd been raised in a, a very atheistic household, um, and his father was very adamantly opposed to the idea of Christianity. Hmm. And so he, in response to that, he said to me, he goes, why would you believe that? It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, something along the lines of it, it's just it's silly. There's no point in doing it. Why would you? So anyway, we, we keep walking together out of class uh, and we're about to go catch the bus and we, we're, we think we're about to split ways and it turns out we both catch the same bus. We just <laughs> had never talked to each other before. Oh, okay. So... I was like, you catch this bus? Yeah, all right, let's get on the bus. And so we kept talking to each other on the bus. And that pretty much set off uh, this friendship, really, uh, not just a witnessing opportunity. Me and James are really good friends, e- even still to this day. Mm. It started something that I just wasn't even looking for, but God had given you know me the opportunity to speak to someone who was searching. Um, they made, I don't, I'm not even sure if James knew at that point in time he was, but he kept asking questions. He wanted to know yeah. why I answered the way I had in this class discussion. So this was a commerce question? Yeah, it was in commerce. Uh, and you asked, you answered a just like a business commerce type question. Yeah. There and, but the way you answered it made him think that you were different and he wanted to know why did you answer it so differently. That's it. That's exactly what happened. Did you throw God or anything or religion into your question and your answer? Uh, or can you remember? What was it about the the reply that impressed him that much. I honestly can't remember whether I mentioned God or anything, but I think it was purely the fact that it was just different from everyone else's answers. Yeah. It was it was just odd, you know? Hmm. Everyone else has a uniform answer, and then suddenly one sticks out and you go, hang on. That's... Someone that sees the world a different way. Yeah, and yeah. why do they perceive the world in this way? What's so different about them? So, yeah, uh, Basically, for the next two years, every bus trip, morning and afternoon, he'd get on and he'd go, all right, I have this question, this question, this question, answer them. Wow. And we were just, that's, that's what it was. And so yeah. it was a really, it, it was a really great time, not just for him because he was getting to learn about God mm. and getting close to Christ, but it was great for me because suddenly I was in this position where my faith was being tested. Yes. Now, uh, I had been looking for an opportunity to witness to someone I hadn't thought about, you know, can I defend my faith? Can I give a, you know, a, an answer or reply for it? Yes. And so I was kind of getting more than I bargained for, but it was good. It was what I needed uh, during that time of my life. Yeah. So it was a really good way for me to be able to learn more about, you know, my faith as well. It strengthened my faith 
in witnessing to him. So God basically was giving you a curriculum through your friend who wasn't really a believer. Yeah, pretty much. Because you had to go and study to answer all the questions. That's exactly what it was. Wow. And uh, every Sabbath afternoon what we would do, um, we'd, uh, we'd just find these videos on YouTube. Any mm. video that we could, you know, making an argument uh, against God or Christianity or anything. And so what we'd do is we'd... We'd play it, we'd sync it so that we were watching the exact same time, right. and then I'd say pause, or he'd say pause, and we'd both pause it, and then we'd both give a question or a response or whatever it was. And so we'd go through and deconstruct these videos mm. and argue for a case for God. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it was a really great experience. Um, as much as formative as it was for James, who eventually did come to know God and yeah. is a believer now. Oh, praise the Lord. Um, it was... It was an experience for me because I uh, kind of realized that I had this passion now. Mm. This is what I really enjoyed doing, talking to people about God. I just never had the opportunity to feel this way yeah, beforehand. Yeah. I just had never had that. And mm. so uh, as much as I was an influence in James's life, he was an influence to mine. Uh, he's very much responsible for why I chose to do ministry in theology because now not only did I have that preaching aspect, but I now had this, I want to evangelize and the ministerial witnessing. aspect, the witnessing yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. So by that point, those two had kind of uh, merged together. And yeah, here I am, basically. Incredible. Yeah. So uh, what age did you guys then, you know, make a personal decision? Because obviously you grew up in a great environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both your parents made sure that you had a good Christian grounding. But at some stage there, obviously, you start thinking for yourselves. Mm. At what age then did you make a decision or did you get baptized? When when did you give your heart to the Lord, basically, is the the question. Yeah, sure. Um, For me, 17. 17 17 was a year. Yeah, that's when my faith started to become my own. Mm. Yeah. So uh, also, too, my dad being a pastor, I had the privilege of getting my dad baptized me as well, which was really cool. Yeah, what a blessing. Yeah. So, yeah, 17 for me. Okay. And Jesse, oh, sorry, uh, Christopher, for you. Yeah, um, I think I was 17 at the time as well, uh, oh. December 5th, 2015. Yeah. That okay, was, not not too long ago. Not too long ago. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it kind of uh, surprises most people that it was not too long ago because everyone thinks, hang on, he's the Christian kid on campus. He's the one who preaches and does all these things. You know, why wasn't he baptized at 12? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, you, sure. What, what took you so long? But yeah. uh, for me, it was... I think I just had such a I really valued the the decision and the experience and yeah. I just wanted to make sure that when I made that decision I made it uh, genuinely and with like mm. full sincerity yes. and that I was able to do that you know in in good conscience be able to make this decision and say God this is what I'm doing um, because a lot of it when I was talking with James a lot a lot of that has to do with cognitive stuff. Mm. He's a very deep thinker, um, and so we'd often talk about more cognitive things. Yes. But uh, I think a little bit to my detriment, uh, and this is, you know, on me, nothing to do with him. This is my responsibility to maintain, but I didn't uh, establish quite the relationship that I wanted with God. I'd kind of denied the emotional, relational part right. in in favor of the more cognitive theological part and I think what people don't understand or maybe have a misconception of is having a cognitive awareness is where you begin Mm. and then that should lead you to then having that relationship and that deep Mm. emotional attachment to God you can only feel love and you know towards God if you know who he is and what he's about and what he's done for you yes so the two aren't 
um, it's not like this dichotomy of yin yang. You know, yeah, sure, they're not in opposition. They mm. work together. So Amen. that was something that um, I was able to realize. I had a really good friend at church, um, Emily. She helped me to be able to just kind of mentally get me to that point and mm. just be able to help me realize that you know this process wasn't just a necessary thing for me to do once I'd reached that stage, but uh, I'd also come to that point where. I could make that in sincerity. You know how you're always your worst critic? Yes, I yeah. yes, know that. Yep. And so, you know, this whole time, I'm, and th- that's just it. So everyone else was on looking and going, this guy's got it all sorted. No one's got it all sorted. That's a fallacy. Oh, <laughs> you know, we're all works in progress. We're all being sanctified. Yes. But, um, yeah, she was able to just kind of help me uh, fully realize that I had come to that point where it was now a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I was able to realize I can do this in full sincerity and with a good conscience and genuinely dedicate my life to God. So I'm glad that I did wait that time yes. because it kind of gave it a little more oomph. It made it more impactful mm-hmm. that, you know, I'd built up to this decision. And, yeah, it was really um, formative for my spiritual experience and is par- partially responsible, well, responsible to a great degree as to why I'm here as well. Yeah. It's kind of a culmination of all those experiences I'd had at church and home and school. Really. Sure. So it went from head knowledge to heart knowledge. That's it. So basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. yeah, beautiful. No, thank you for bringing that out. And uh, I know Jesse, you mentioned that you did arise, and then mm-hmm. while you were at arise, I know they put you guys through your paces as well, <laughs> and you yeah. started doing some. I mean, part of the programs that you go and do some door knocking and visitation, yeah. and I think there's also a. A outreach program that's run, and you guys there is, yeah. So maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit, and then what happened subsequent to arise? Sure, yeah. So yeah, as you said, they get you out into the community. I think around week three, so that quite early on, yeah. Door knocking. So being a kind of reserved guy that I am, door knocking was a little bit intimidating for me, to be honest, at first sight. Yeah. So yeah, um, but to be honest. My my whole world shifted because of door knocking. Mm. I think something well, I, I found that I lacked in my past Christian walk um, after my baptism was just a real practical Christianity, okay. um, putting my faith into practice. Yeah, so just getting out there on the doors, although it is intimidating and challenging, it is so rewarding. It mm. um, Yeah, it makes your faith real. It strengthens your relationship with God in a way that I just really can't explain unless you've gone out there and done something with your faith as well. Yes. So, no, that was a really, really good experience. Um, another thing, too, they put you with a, a Bible-working partner or door-knocking partner. Right. So you're not going out there alone, which really helps as well. That's good. Yeah, two by two. Exactly. Yeah. The, Jesus, the Jesus method. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> so, no, you, you bond with them. Um, you go around door-knocking. And they even give you the opportunity to Bible study, like do Bible studies with people in the community, Mm. which is really, really good. Because while you're learning all these great things about the Bible and about Jesus, you get to share them at the same time. Yeah. And those two things together, man, they're the perfect mix to create passion and, yeah, just a real strength in your faith. So that's that's another thing they do. Um, So, yeah, also, yeah— as you mentioned before, they do the evangelistic series. Yeah. So it all really just co-mingles together. It comes in quite nicely because you go door knocking, um, advertising the evangelistic series. You're going out there making contacts, having Bible studies, building friendships. And then you can take those those friends, those contacts that you've made to the evangelistic series. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's that's my Arise experience. Yeah, wow. That's yeah. pretty intense what they're doing three and a half months. It, it is, that's, yeah. It's full on, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. But it sounds like yeah. it's an incredible experience you wouldn't want to... 
oh, yeah. uh, want to give away at all. You'd want to hang on to that experience. Exactly. So yeah. uh, what happens after a rise in for you? Sure. So um, at the end, they offer partnership, partnering, I should say, with the North New South Wales Conference um, uh, position for a volunteer bar worker. Mm. So, yeah, they give you the option. You don't have to do it by any means. But um, I was very, very seriously considering at the end. I was loving what I was doing at Arise, so I thought, yeah. Um, I prayed about it, asked God, and came to the decision, yeah, this is what I wanted to do. So I put my name down for, yeah, the the practicum, which is what they called it back then. I think they've changed the name now, but yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that that's that. Um, I wanted to go to a place called Maitland, if, yeah, Maitland sounds familiar. <laughs> This is this is, yeah. This is where Chris comes into this story. So this is where you guys cross paths for, yeah. the, for the first time, is it? Yeah. Ma- did you say Maitland? Maitland, yeah. Okay, just up here near yeah, sort of the Hunter. Yeah. The, okay. So yeah. Right. Uh, I just like this story. This part of the story. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. Oh, good. Yeah. So I really wanted to go to Maitland um, for a few reasons. The the guy Braden Entman who got me to go to Arise, he was actually at Maitland at the time. Okay. So I would have spent time with him, which mm. I was like, yeah, this is so cool. Um, the pastor at Maitland, um, Lyle Southwell, I yes. really I really liked him at Arise. Lyle's, he, Lyle's a good friend of mine, yeah. Yeah, he took a class on Daniel. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. At, at Arise. At Arise, yes. yeah. 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 So I was like, yeah, that's good. Associate pastor, I know him. I want to work with him. The pastor's really good. And two of my close friends that I made at Arise were going to Maitland as well. Okay. So this, I put this out there to God. And I was like, God, I, I want to go to Maitland, but I, I want to do what you want me to do. So I, I, I'll say that, first of all, I want to go to Maitland Gold, but you lead wherever you want me to go. So I put that out there. Anyways, it came time for them to tell where we were going, and I found out I was going to Coffs Harbour. <laughs> and at the time, I yeah, I, I, I really want to go to Maitland and not sure. really Coffs Harbour. I, can, I understand all the reason for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. come on, we got bananas. <laughs> I know, the, the big banana. We got the big one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I, I didn't really want to go to Coffs for for the reasons. Mainly, not, e- not even for the weather. Got, I mean, you come from Queensland, so it's hard to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I have Coffs in Queensland. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nah. But no, nah, I, I didn't really know anyone down there. Hmm. I I wasn't sure if they had a youth group or people I could connect with. So it was really really new territory for me. Sure. Um, this was actually straight after high school for me as well. So I'd never really lived by myself before. Mm. Um, I would be living with another person I'd never met before. Yeah, working with people who I barely knew, a pastor I'd never heard of before. So it was, yeah, very, very new experience for me. Mm. But I'll tell you what, God knows what he's doing. Yeah. Because as soon as I got down there, I, I met, of course, Chris, <laughs> okay. which is good. Yeah, a lovely, awesome youth group down there. The pastor is amazing, Abel Yorglescu. Um, he was a great inspiration to me. Um, godly, wise mentor who I learned so much from. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the cough story. So, no, I was completely wrong about that. Okay. So, you, so you're now glad you've gone to coughs and you, yeah. you missed out on Maitland, but uh, coughs yeah. got the benefit of you. Exactly. And this is mm-hmm. where you meet Christopher at the, at the church where at you've the church. been appointed to. That's it. Yeah. Right. So maybe you can fill in the story from there. So what 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 happens? Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, we uh, as Jesse said, we've got a really good youth group back there, and mm. really, it's it's that kind of really nice size where it's not too big so that no one knows everyone. It's kind of it's not too small either. It's just this kind of it's the perfect size, isn't it? Yeah, I mm. think it is because 
it's not big enough also that you can have like little cliques. Right. It's mm. just one group. So everybody it's, interacts. Yeah, yeah, it's just like one like kind of family pretty much. That's mm. what it is. And so it was really good. We really enjoy having new people. We've had um, last year two Rice students come as well. So we were really looking forward to having uh, – we knew that we actually had one of our – youth members go and do it and she came back right we also knew there was a, a new mystery <laughs> who, okay. who was going to be this other um arise person arise worker yeah. Yeah. so yeah it was great to have jesse along and uh yeah during that period we got to we actually got to do some uh interesting and unique things um mm. with jesse for example uh for a long time i'd wanted to create sort of an online ministry sort of thing. Hmm. Uh, I realized a lot of the time when I was preaching that you create a lot of information and you do all this research, but not all of it can go into the sermon. Sure. Because, you know, whether it's it would just be too long or, you know, you also don't want to overload the congregation with too much information because then it's more difficult for them to take something away. So there were a lot of reasons, but I just had all this good information sitting there and it never got out to anyone. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, it's a bit of a waste. I've done the research. I've put in the time. Mm-hmm. I really want to create a platform where we can uh, share this information. So I mentioned it to Jesse first, actually. And mm. I said to him, I've got this idea. What do you think about it? And he says, no, I like it. I've, he says, I think, you know, that's a great idea. Let's run with it. Yes. So uh, we ran with it. Um, we did. You can, here's a short plug. You can look up the After Sermon podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, basically... The lot, pretty much. Basically the lot. And right. So that's one of the things that Jesse and I and the rest of the church youth were able to do. We were able mm. to kind of come together in this nice youth group that we had and kind of come to a common goal. This was mm. a common ministry that we could bond over and really work on together. All contribute to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and good. so... You know, sometimes it's my sermons, but we've also done ones for Jesse. We've done one uh, ones for other youth group members. And we also just get visiting pastors as well. So our pastor or uh, just anyone we can. We just like to sit down and have a chat with them. So that was one thing that we've been able to really work on and um, we've been really enjoying. I think uh, also Jesse and I mentioned to each other, we both mentioned that we were considering doing ministry in theology. Mm. And... Um, yeah, we both prayed about it. Um, f- from my experience, there wasn't like a huge big moment, like, well, that's it, uh, you know. Like uh, a poor moment where the light shines yeah, and God comes yeah. down. Yeah. There was no beam of light that came down, an angel that said, do not fear, peace be with you, please go study ministry theology, and then he shut mm-hmm. back up. Yes. Um, and I've actually uh, told my story, what, what I've mentioned here to some people, and there's almost this sort of pressure, again, for studying mm. theology. There's almost this sort of pressure when I tell people and they ask me their story that your testimony kind of has to level up to something, you know, okay, kind yeah. of meet an expectation. Is yeah, your yeah. testimony good enough? Which I don't even think is a really Each valid. Each person's mm. testimony is unique and they all walk a different path. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. I don't really think you, you can't invalidate someone's testimony. It's mm, their mm. story and their experience with God. And so... Uh, I've told I've told people that story before, and people have kind of said in response, "Okay, but when were you called?" And I was mentioning this to a friend of mine, Mitchell, the other day, and what he said actually really encouraged me. He said, "The reason you didn't have this, you know, big moment where at on the twenty first of September at eleven o'clock, you know, at the exact day and hour, you can remember this, mm. is because 
you've been brought up in the church, you've been growing, you've been preaching, you've been witnessing, evangelizing, doing all these things. Mm. It was an ongoing experience. God was calling you through all these different experiences and studying ministry and theology here and now was just the next logical step mm. in that sure. In, in that experience, journey. in yeah. the part, it's all just part of the journey. Mm-hmm. So it was just the next obvious step. So I prayed about it, and you know, I felt at peace with this decision because I believe this is just where God wants me to go. So that mm. was my experience leading up to uh, deciding to do this course. And um, during this time, Jesse and I we were deliberating because we're thinking it would be pretty cool to have someone I know <laughs> up there in the yeah, course. Mandel as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So. Um, Look, it's it's good from my perspective to actually hear people who haven't really gone into the world, they haven't sowed their wild oats, so to speak. Yeah. You know, they've um, they've pretty much remained faithful to the Lord, maybe a little bit up and down here and there possibly, you know. Um, but you don't have to go down that path of the world mm. to try and find out and taste and see that the world doesn't deliver. Yeah. Mm. And you guys didn't really go down that path at all. If anything, you sort of stayed quite faithful. Mm. And if anything, God took you to higher levels and higher levels to find you the natural outcome of that walk with the Lord is to go and do pastoral ministry, yeah. go and study at Avondale College, and then take the next step from there. Yeah, that's it. It was a real mm. blessing, really. Yeah. 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 Well, that's exciting. Look, is there anything that you can think of that you'd like to share to people who may not have met the Lord yet. People may have been brought up, a lot of people are brought up in the church and I think the statistics, they're not as high in the Seventh-day Adventist church as I understand, but in a lot of Christian churches, and not only Seventh-day Adventist church, most of the young people by the age of 21 have left the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, the numbers are as high as 70%. Some churches even higher than that. Man. Yeah. I think we're a little bit lower. I think it might be 59 or something. But that's a lot of young people to lose. What can you say to them to encourage them to remain faithful to God, mm-hmm. stay in the church, you know, instead of trying to taste the world and, yeah. and mm-hmm. see if it offers what they hope it would offer? Mm. Yeah, I think one of, one of the things is in in terms of, you know, wanting to experiment with the world and everything. I think one of the most fascinating things is uh, Satan has not had to come up with anything new for a long time. Mm. He just repackages the exact same thing. True. And humanity just, we still haven't learned our lesson yet. It's, no. you know, we, so I, I think, think it's a fallen human nature thing. That's yeah. it. We history just, teaches us, the history teaches us nothing. Mm. We keep on forgetting. <laughs> exactly. We're just yeah. predisposed to do this. So I think one of the biggest lessons, um, and it's something my dad taught me a lot was mm. just learn from the mistakes of others. You, you can just look at how it's worked for other people. Um, if you, you know, just look at how people's lives went when they eventually abandoned the church. You know, they might not be, you know, terrible or anything like that, but are they fulfilled in that spiritual sense, you know, if you get mm. what I mean? Just c- compare and contrast. Learn from people's mistakes. And uh, I think ask yourself why, what what is the reasoning behind wanting to, to leave or to to experiment or do any of these things. I think the other thing I would also say, though, is to uh, to expose yourself to other ideas and to other people's opinions. Mm. Because I think one of the worst things that can happen to some uh, Christian kids is they're sheltered to a point where they've never heard another point of view. Mm. Yeah. And so when they go out into the big bad world and suddenly there's criticism against whether it's God or Christianity or just different ideas that sound compelling and persuading, mm. it's a bit too much of an overload, and it can it can really easily uh, get people sidetracked. Yes. I mm. think the only way that your 
not just like mentally, but spiritually in your faith. The only way your faith can grow and mature is by testing it. That's it. Mm. I can speak from personal experience from when I was talking with James. I came across arguments I'd never heard before. Sure. That put me in a challenging position. Mm. But I think God was teaching me through that. You need to be able to, if this is where you want to go, Christopher, if this is is the avenue you want to go, you have to be able to, you know, give, uh, give a defense for your faith. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that you don't get like too overwhelmed and too sidetracked by looking at those sort of things. Hmm. But it is important to in order for your faith to develop and also just in order to know what other people are thinking. In order to, I think, to effectively witness, you have to at least try and have an understanding of where people are at and what they're thinking. Yes. And so to, to, to a point, that means understanding their thoughts, their ideologies. You don't have to adhere to them by studying sure, them. Sure, sure. But mm. just just studying them and getting into the, the minds of these people because then you can begin to minister to their spiritual needs. I think mm-hmm. that's key. In learning about other ideas, you learn about other people and you learn how to effectively witness mm. to them. I think that's so key. I had a good friend uh, in school, Maddie. She was great. Um, she wasn't Christian, but I, she was probably the funniest person I know, uh, definitely the funniest yeah. person at school. And we just have dialogue, really good dialogue all the time, just sharing ideas. Mm. And I think what was good was um, at the very least – we helped give each other a perspective of what the other person's thinking. And I think that was a really good experience, Mm -hmm. not just for me to learn uh, about, you know, where these other people are coming from, their approach, but it also gave her a look at, you know, how I'm thinking. And it gave a more compassionate view of, you know, it's a little bit difficult sometimes to be a Christian in the world we live in today. So yeah, absolutely. That just having that dialogue with people, mm. I think, is so important. Mm-hmm. You were just quoting there before uh, from First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen, where it says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your heart, and always be ready to give a defence to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness mm. and fear." So you guys obviously remained faithful to God, you know, growing up. There must have been some opportunities for you to sort of go and try something else in the alternative. So if you could just, what was it that stopped you from doing that? Why did you not go the way that many other young people in the church have gone? I know for me, uh, I'm a very kind of logical sort of person, logical Mm. thinker. And so for me, I knew that what I'd studied in the Word and what I'd experienced testified to what I'd read. Yes. I just knew, well, this is true. This is the truth. I'm The only reason I'm invested in doing this and talking to people about it is because I believe this is the truth. Mm. And so to me, uh, and this might not you know, necessarily work for each person, but for me, for the, the really deep thinkers out there or just the, the, the more thought-based <laughs> people, to me it was just, well, it's not very logical to go and do anything else, is it? It, right, it, just, right. it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that was kind of my reasoning behind it. Yeah, so you obviously had standards. The standards were based on the word of God. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And that was the thing that you rationalized it through and saying, well, is this something that makes sense? Is it truth or isn't mm. it truth? Yeah. And from that perspective, and there was, was that during the heart, pre-heart heart knowledge stage or was it during the heart knowledge stage as well that you were doing this kind of thinking through it all? I'd mm. say that was kind of... It, that kind of developed through the transitional stage where right. I was developing and growing it because I was very thought-based, but without, also without the emotion to it, it's very easy to dismiss that. 
Sure. Whereas when you're invested in this relationship with God, you also want to stay loyal and committed to him. Of now course. there's another person involved in yeah, this. Yeah. It's not just you. So I think yeah. that began to really Love develop that. during the transitional mm. phase for me. Mm. So the first one is just you standing. So you're standing for something, standards, yeah. principles. Mm. And then the other one is now relationship. How can I deny my relationship with the Lord? That's it. So it comes down to faithfulness with God. Mm. You know? Fantastic. Mm. Jesse, anything that you sort of can think of and add things that may have stopped you from you know, sort of walking away from God. Sure. Because, um, I mean, growing up, there's, there's many temptations. I know there were, you mm. were talking before a little bit about um, shielding, uh, being shielded partially, yeah. but then also starting to expose yourself yeah, more and more. Yeah, it's such as a you fine were. line to yeah, get. Yeah, starting difficult. to make your own decisions and mm. make your own opinion about your relationship with the Lord. So obviously there's a transition as you grow up. Yeah, that's mm. it. But, Jesse, anything that sort of stands out uh, for you? Yeah, sure. Um, One thing that comes to mind, kind of like a term to remember it by is, Sort of like what Chris was saying, but spiritual immunization, in a sense. Oh, I like that too. Spiritual immunization. Yeah, Yeah. Mm, I like that. Yeah, just not not dabble in the things of the world, but be aware of them. Maybe look into them a little bit Mm. without actually being involved in them. So you get a taste of where that path would lead you down, kind of thing. Look, yeah, look at the consequences of where that path will lead. Um, Yeah, and just see whether that's for you or not. And for me, I, I look down that path, and no, it's not. So you reason from cause mm. to effect, yeah. And decided, no, I don't want to end up there. So, Essentially. did you know people? Or did you have other people potentially that you looked at and go, if I go down this path, I'm going to end up where they've ended up, and that doesn't look yeah. pretty. Yeah, there was actually. I won't mm. mention any names. Sure, sure. But yeah, he yeah he was baptized before me, and he went down that path. It started when he moved yeah, schools and got involved in a different friend group and started going away from church. And, yeah, so I looked at that and I was like, okay, that's that's where that life leads. Do I really want anything to do with mm-hmm. that? So, yeah, be aware of your surroundings. Yeah, as Chris said, look mm-hmm. at other people, see where they've gone, and, yeah, hopefully that can guide you. Now, I've got to ask you this question because I'm really curious about it. You know, <laughs> uh, when I grew up in our school um, – Secular music, worldly music, sensual music, mm. uh, dancing, um, movies, movies to portray that glamorously. Mm. How did you guys work through all of that? Because the same. yeah, mm. H- how did how did you how did you do it? I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> There'd be other people asking the same yeah. question. Uh, as far as music goes, I'm a bit of a bit of a hack there. I don't listen to any contemporary music. Oh, you don't? Okay. I'm, just, I'm the same pretty much. I don't. I, I, but what I really do enjoy is just like soundtracks for movies. I really like instrumental music. Right. Um, because I, this is just my personal opinion, there's so, so much raw emotion behind it and they always kind of tell stories. Mm. And to be honest, I'm kind of sick of the stories that most contemporary music tell. It's, it's all, all the same story. It's all yeah. the same, you know, <laughs> and most of it's of absolutely zero substance. So mm. it just doesn't interest me that much. So that's mind numbing. It, yeah, it is a bit. Mind you, really. I used to have there's a time in my life I used to absolutely love this music. And as I look back at it now and listen to it, I go, why on earth did I ever listen yeah. to this? Stuff? It yeah. made me feel good, but it was really vain and empty. Yeah. Mm, it had no it. substance to it. And any, if, if anything, it didn't actually bring life to it. If anything, it brought mm, death yeah, and it numbs the mind. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, yeah, similar to Chris with music, I didn't really have a problem there. Movies was probably more of an issue for me, to be honest. Right. Not necessarily bad movies, just. Probably watching a, a few too many movies, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. As far as time's uh, yeah. commitment to it and that. Yeah, right. Exactly, yeah. Okay, very good. Look, uh, we're just about ready to run out of time here, but is there anything else you could share? Um, look, you spoke about you know, people 
coming to the Lord. But for someone that's now with the Lord and they just feel there's a distraction or you, you, you know how people's lives are. They sometimes walk with the Lord and then before you know they, they drift away and that. Is there anything you can say to them to encourage them to just remain faithful to the Lord? One thing that comes to mind, um, I was looking up a verse, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Yes. The, the spiritual journey can be a hard one sometimes, a challenging mm. one, mm. not hard in the sense that God is specifically putting in barriers to make it, make it hard. Yes. But because you have to put in a little bit of effort and work sometimes. Mm. Um, and I think that's with all good things in life. Good things don't usually come around easy. You kind of have to put a little bit of effort and work into it. And I think that makes you appreciate it more anyway. I think so yeah. too. Yeah. And Paul writes about that as well. You know, he pressed on, you know, mm. uh, pushing on to get that eternal crown mm. of, of, of everlasting yeah. life, you exactly. know. So it's an yeah. encouragement to us. So if it means a lot to us, we'll put it in, we'll put in what boots and all. We'll, we'll go in the full mm. hog and not dabble with something. So I, I appreciate that very much. Look, uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for sharing your testimony with us. We've, we've run out of time. But I just want to thank Christopher Peterson and Jesse Marks. Appreciate you sharing your testimony. And what a powerful witness that, you know, for good education and a Christian upbringing that you didn't have to go and taste the world, but you tasted the Lord and you saw that he was good and worthy to be worshipped and, and to be loved and to have a relationship with. So if you've been listening today, listener, I pray that your heart has been touched, that you've been drawn closer to the Lord as well. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, Please contact us at 3ABN Australia Radio. In Australia, you can phone us on 02-49-73-3456 or you can email us at radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Or if you like and you are Facebook friendly, you can like us on our Facebook page and you can even send us a message there if you like. So please join me next time as we share more of what God has done in the lives of ordinary people like you and me. Until then. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.